Hello, and welcome to the IDI, a podcast by and for market access professionals. I'm your host, Ira Apfel. Each episode, we conduct in-depth interviews to help you optimize your value strategy and commercialization and help people access the healthcare they deserve. The IDI is presented by Valuate Health Consultancy. Follow Valuate on LinkedIn or visit us at valuatehealth.com to learn more. Today on the IDI, the perils of pull-through. So you build a better mousetrap, or in this case, a new prescription drug. But will the world beat a path to your door? Your new drug has made it to the insurer's formulary, perhaps, but will providers actually prescribe it? After all, your drug probably faces stiff competition from manufacturers who have zero interest in losing market share. The process of getting your drug to actually be prescribed is often referred to as pull-through, a strategy and tactics designed to encourage physicians to prescribe the drug and ultimately increase market share. But challenges abound. Besides getting physicians to prescribe your drug or even show interest, you've got to train and coordinate your field staff to promote it. You've got to encourage pharmacies to stock and recommend your drug. You've got to educate patients and get them interested. You've got that fierce competition I already mentioned. You've got regulatory guidelines and regulations. And lastly, there's the challenge of measuring success. What does successful pull-through look like anyway? Well, to address these pull-through questions, I brought back Jack Timko to the podcast. Jack is Senior Principal, Data Analytics and, Strat- and Strategic Products with Valuate Health. He is a recognized industry leader in data analytics, and he knows a thing or two about pull-through because he's dealt with it for 15 years. Jack, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Ira. Thanks. It's great to be back. So first question for you is, how would you define pull-through? Uh, there's no kind of real standard definition, I would say. So I'm wondering, when you think about pull-through, how do you perceive it? Yep. So great question. Um, and spot on, there's not a general consensus. You won't find it in Webster's. Um, but for us here at Valuate and, and Entree Health, it's communicating relevant coverage, cost, and support information to healthcare providers and their office staff. Uh, we want to do that so they have an accurate understanding of what that holistic access looks like for their specific patient population and are then ready to prescribe as appropriate. And how does pull-through affect a patient's ability to access their medication? I'm wondering how that works. A lot of times it's an unseen or uh, an unseen kind of issue for for patients. So, for example, um, you take a guy you don't know from, from your uncle, Scott. He works for a small business, Bob's Plumber. Um, and they're... For one reason or another, the one plan or one of the few plans that doesn't cover a critical product, that could influence that 1% of the, the patient population for a doctor could influence the ability for your Aunt Susie to access her medication. Because once that doctor encounters an access issue, it can influence the perception of, of coverage for that product so that they're no longer willing or ready to prescribe. They may believe in the product attributes, but they don't have confidence in coverage and or they're not comfortable with the available support services. So they no longer prescribe. Um, so it may never become an option for some patients because of that initial uh, experience. Even if 99% of patients have access to the drug, 
there's still that 1% and it has a lot of influence over general access perceptions. You know, what, what's interesting now is we're talking about pull through, but you, of course, are, are the data analytics guru at Evaluate. So, um, you know, I, I thought when, when I was going to do the podcast, I thought maybe for pull through, we'll have some kind of business development person. But, you know, I was told, hey, you should you should talk to Jack. He's 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 the man on this. How does data analytics inform pull through and why is it so important? Not just, you know, getting you on the podcast, but just like in general, because it, it kind of it kind of struck me as like like not like a kind of logical fit, but, but here we are, you're the data um, analytics guru and you're talking about pull through. Yeah. So a bit of that is that data does play a role in pull through. The other part is that for the better part of 15 years, pull through has been a a passion of mine um, due to the connections with data, but also just its ability to directly affect patients and providers, which isn't always something we have the ability to do in the payer space where we're communicating and influencing at a higher level. Uh, In terms of the data, you've got data sets in market access that never cleanly fit together. So that's where the the expertise that we have at Valuate comes into play and, and getting the data into an accurate and usable format with the intelligence to help guide Salesforce, uh, users to really understand what messaging they need to be delivering when it comes to coverage, Uh, knowing that market access is complicated, it's dynamic, and that can be a a turnoff for some folks. Um, But that's what gets us out of bed in the morning. How has it changed over the years? Because you said you've been been involved with with pull-through and data access, data analytics for 15 years now. So I'm wondering uh, what's gotten more complicated or more difficult about it? And what's gotten easier about pull-through and and data analytics? Easier is through experience. um, But way back when, and even where the pull-through namesake came for, it was was really promotional. It was really focused on retail uh, pharmacy products. And it was all about promoting fantastic coverage, you know, preferred coverage, uh, and really with the goal of maximizing and delivering on any contracted access. Um, as the market has evolved, specialty pharmacies become a bigger um, influence. You've got therapies that are extremely costly. You've got therapies for very rare conditions. Uh, and that's kind of shifted where pull-through used to be about, you know, clinical belief opens the door to prescribing, but you've got to con- give them confidence and coverage to pull that prescription through the door. That's where the name came from. But it's shifted now where it's not just about delivering on those contracts and being promotional. It's become a lot more educational due to the complexity with some utilization management. Um, You still have the age-old need for pull-through is there's coverage misperceptions to that initial example I provided. Mm -hmm. We also have products that are available through buying bill and specialty pharmacy, and there's multiple paths to fulfillment. So a lot of it's now about mapping that out. Or as products get new indications, those usually carry some new utilization management. So being able to explain indication A versus B and immunology uh, was one of the the originators, at least for me, for, for that kind of priority. And really what it's become now, I think more so um, than that unrestricted, fantastic coverage is there's going to be utilization management criteria, prior alts, and step therapies. 
And it's about explaining that to the providers and office staff. So they understand when they go to prescribe, here's what they can expect. And then they have more confidence in what access looks like holistically. And that the generally the more highly managed products, the specialty products tend to have robust support services that are an equal part of pull through now uh, where they weren't necessarily a core component, you know, 15 years ago. So you've just, you've just described a lot more uh, hurdles and challenges. You know, there's a new expensive specialty drugs and there's step therapy and, and, and the like uh, step therapy. Uh, um, I'm, I'm wondering though, when so much of this is, is, is education of both uh, the provider and I guess even the, 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 the field team, the field reps, where does, where does data come into that? I mean, are you basically just saying like, Hey, here's the data that shows like what, you know, who's, who's taking, uh, who's taking up the, the product, who's uh, using it, who's not is, does it get uh, as granular as that? Or how does data inform um and, and how is data used to overcome these hurdles that you've talked about? Yeah. Uh, so when we think about available data that's connected to a specific product, its mm-hmm. clinical profile is consistent. But those data don't change doctor to doctor. However, coverage, cost, and support can vary by individual, both at the data level, which is where we come into play. That, that's the variable data where one doctor is not going to have the identical payer mix of another doctor. They're all not going to share the national payer mix. Um, they're going to have variants. They're going to have employer plans that are big in their area. And it's about understanding from a, a source like claims data, what is the actual mix of payers for this doctor in this disease state and this competitive set? And then what is the coverage for those associated payers? And that process is a lot easier said than done. Um, but it's that piece that really brings it into the market access lens and being able to take in what in a lot of cases can be a multitude of possible coverage messages and identify what we really need to be talking about with a specific provider uh, and then what we would need to be talking about in subsequent conversations. So I imagine that if, if, if this were easy, pull through were easy and the manufacturers could really leverage their own data to, uh, you know, help out, uh, you know, solving the, the puzzle of, of pull through, they wouldn't be coming to you and evaluate and, and, and your data analytics. So, um, what, what's the challenge for manufacturers when it comes to, uh, you know, leveraging the data and what, what is, uh, you know, evaluating an entree doing, um, in terms of like, like platforms or anything like that to kind of help out? Yeah, so great question. Um, in terms of the manufacturer side, some of the barriers that they're facing are the sales incentives aren't necessarily aligned um, and don't always include delivery of market access focused messaging to providers. Uh, there's sometimes a resistance to change. Uh, a lot of uh, members of the sales force and, and pharma aren't necessarily comfortable li- delivering this type of messaging. Uh, some manufacturer process and resources may limit their agility and ability to get this done um, quickly and and with an eye on the future and being flexible. Um, Just like with any company there, everyone's competing for IT resources and time and data analytic resources and time. Uh, Data accuracy, 
and managing that is critical. Um, anything related to market access is only as good as the, the cost and coverage info uh, that you're putting in. So making sure that that is as accurate as possible and dealing with the increasingly complex UM um, that only adds to some resistance to change. So for, for us at uh, Valuate Entree, uh, we developed a platform uh, called Access Next that is hopefully, uh, or we've seen some, some positive indications that that does affect some of these barriers um, in terms of resistance to change, making sure that it's embedded in as closely to the user's standard daily call flow or workflow as possible. So minimal disruption to what they're historically doing. So that means for a lot of our manufacturers deploying this solution inside the Viva environment. Um, for some manufacturers, that means deploying it even more closely, uh, integrating it into the core biz aid, uh, working alongside our, our HCP um, agency partners to make sure we're promoting utilization and delivery of these messages by making it as easy as possible to access them. And then if we still encounter some areas um, where utilization or delivery of these messages may be an issue, then we can deliver system emails to high priority targets containing the same custom information. Um, because one pretty consistent element we see is that Delivering this information to providers has a positive impact on their willingness to prescribe. What does a, like a good access next experience look like? How, would, how do you envision it working really great from the, like the patient experience when, when uh, you know, he or she goes to the doctor's office or the pharmacy? What, what does success look like? For the patient's experience, success looks like no disruption. They wouldn't even know anything happened because their doctor is willing to prescribe. If they're a very proactive patient and are asking for a therapy, uh, their doctor should have a good idea of how that treatment is covered and their office staff um, so that if it's a easy path to prescribing, they're aware. If some steps are required, they know what needs to be done in terms of medical testing or um, prior treatment experience and the like. For us, really, we evaluate success for Access Next. The, the very first level is we want to see that the manufacturer sales force is comfortable delivering this type of, of messaging and is and utilizing the information that's provided to them. Uh, then we want to see that the doctor is in like shifting their behaviors and has that belief and, and demonstrated demand and prescribing behavior. And ideally, if we're doing that, the patient never encounters or is really minimally experiencing any access-related conversations. I'm, I'm kind of curious, when do um, clients, when, when, when do manufacturers come to you and, and evaluate and say, like, we have a problem? Do, do they, is it, is it something that they kind of like really like kind of can say definitively we we think we're having a pull through issue or is it more like we suspect something's going on? I'm wondering like what are the warning signs where you, where your pull through isn't doing great? One of our best indicators is um, HCP ATU studies when they're evaluating perceptions of the brand across the the target prescriber base, cost and or coverage will come up as 
a key issue. Either that's true because it's deemed to be complicated and we need to simplify it for the audience, or as we see a majority of the time, it's a misperception that needs to be addressed. Interesting. So they can only put it down or mark it off as, as, as cost, but you you come in, you dig a little deeper, and then you figure out that it's it's kind of more of a, a it, the, the problem is more complicated than that. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. Is that correct? Yep. And it could go in multiple levels. So we may need to, to roll it up and say, hey, there are some key payers that are limiting access and that's having a demonstrable impact. Mm. Or there's misperceptions that just need to be addressed. So you can, unlike, again, the product profile, if coverage is an issue and in certain areas, maybe more so of an issue, there's still the ability for a manufacturer to address that post-launch. You Got can it. work to improve coverage. Um, one of the ways they do that is by ensuring that where they do have coverage, back to the old pull-through adage, they're making the most out of it. They're pulling those scripts through. They're, they're getting patients on therapy where appropriate and that they can demonstrate that there is value to having a product on formulary or to enabling earlier access or lowering patient out-of-pocket costs, um, whereas we can't address safety or efficacy um, once that, that information is, is out there. You know, uh, pharma is being, uh, you know, affected by AI, like every industry out, out there uh, is be, being, you know, affected by AI. And I'm just wondering, is AI kind of an emerging trend or innovation that, that's disrupting market access pull through? Or w what are some other like trends or innovations that are kind of changing things that, that you're watching closely as it comes to pull through? I mean, the, the main area uh, where I guess it's a disruption, but I really think of it as, you know, a, a real just silver lining um, is our ability to become more efficient and improve the accuracy of interpreting some of these very complex medical policies in particular, um, where you may need to have folks reviewing three, four, five separate documents, drawing some connections, um, decoding some double negatives, and making an assessment of what the policy is. And AI and natural language processing and some additional machine learning can really help us with that initial review and assessment of some of these policies where it's never going to replace the human intelligence, that organic intelligence, but it will um, become a lot more efficient and cost effective um, for both manufacturers and uh, their partners. Well, yeah. Well, last question for you, uh, and I'll phrase it as a kind of a positive or negative. What's the one thing manufacturers should do or should not do uh, to uh, improve pull through? Oh, man, my dream would be that it becomes part um, and a more common part of the incentive comp planning for the, the sales force uh, so that the expectation is that they are delivering um, this messaging um, with the expectation for folks like us is that we're giving them multiple ways to do that very effectively uh, and that it becomes a more critical part of consideration during launch planning uh, because those first nine to 12 months 
policies are being finalized, reviews are being conducted. Um, and as plans come online and they, they start covering a drug or they finalize the policy, effective providers need to know. Uh, and then once you reach that 12 to 18 month mark, your coverage is going to start stabilizing unless you actively go out and try to shift it. And folks need to be aware of all the ins and outs of how a product is covered, not just that it is covered, um, and that they're able to do that for both their large national plans and folks like Bob's Plumber. Um, that information needs to be available. And I still think it's a bit of an afterthought for a lot of manufacturers. And again, competing resources, time, it's understandable. Um, but back to the data side, every time we're, we're looking at the effectiveness of this type of communication and shifting provider behaviors and shifting provider perceptions, uh, we see a demonstrable impact. So for me, it would be elevating the um, considerations for pull through earlier in the commercialization process or as another lever um, for mature brands to try to improve the provider experience and behind the scenes, improve that patient experience and their ability to access the, the medications they need. Well, Jack Tim Timco, you've given me and our listeners a lot to think about with pull through, a lot of great advice. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and I look forward to having you on again. Oh, thanks so much, Ira. Always a pleasure. That's it for this episode of the IDI. My thanks again to guest Jack Timko. I look forward to having Jack back on the podcast soon. Be sure to follow him on LinkedIn and be sure to follow the IDI in Apple and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a review of the IDI after listening to the podcast. Doing that helps other people find the show. So we really appreciate it if you could leave a review. And to learn more market access insights, follow Valuate on LinkedIn or visit us on the web at valuatehealth.com. Thanks for listening.